This is the Old Testament reading from Psalms 31, 1 through 5. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, since you are my rock and my fortress. For the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. This is the word of the Lord. This is the epistle reading, Acts 2, 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, that is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my... Servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Stand. Alleluia, alleluia. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful people and kindle them and kindle in them the fire of your love. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 15th and 16th chapters. When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. I did not tell you this at first, because I was with you. 
Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, Where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because... because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All this belongs to the, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will take from you, take what, from what is mine and make it known to you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. We continue now with the Nicene Creed. The sermon for today is in part uh, Psalm 31 and also in part with the hymn just sung. Back in the 1800s, a man named Horatio Spafford wrote a hymn, and in writing that hymn, he penned a line familiar to many Christians. It is well, it is well with my soul. Perhaps you are familiar with Mr. Spafford's hymn, but you may not always identify with the refrain, It is well, it is well with my soul. Is it really? It's not always well with my soul, and I'm sure it's not always well with your soul. Many times a soul that is well is more of pious hope than reality. You may say, Oh, that my soul felt well, rather than the anguish I am now feeling. In your private times of prayer, and when you come here in public worship, you don't always feel that it is well with your soul. King David was right there with you, as Psalm 31 tells us. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. Things weren't so well with David's soul. Whatever the details might have been, David's enemies were strong against him. They schemed together against me as they plot to take my life. And it wasn't as simple as this. Yes, my enemies are coming against me, but at least I can count on my friends. No, the people that should have been strong with David were waffling or worse. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me, enemies without and enemies within. It was a time of intrigue. I hear the whispering of many. 
These were some of David's problems, and you can sympathize with him. You probably don't have enemies plotting to take your life in the same way David was targeted, but we are threatened in ways that previous generations were not. Terrorists certainly wouldn't hesitate to kill any of us, or all of us. But closer to our personal lives, we can identify with people being against us. David said, let lying lips be mute. And you've heard lying lips say things against you that are not true. Many times, gossipers don't have a clue what they're talking about. They slander you, harm your reputation, put the worst construction on what you've done or what they imagine you have done. They break the Eighth Commandment, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Of course, there are times when you or I have given them reason to complain. We confessed our sins earlier, and the truth is that our sins, even though forgiven because of Jesus Christ, our forgiven sins will tempt people to talk. Either way, this sinful world is very much with us in our thoughts and heavy on our hearts, and so we have good reason to say, it is not well with my soul. It is not. All that said, rousing as we do about the injustices, all that said, grousing as we do about the injustices of life, look at the wonderful thing that goes with it. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge, David says. That's his lead line in Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. If things weren't well with his soul, David knew right where to go to make it well, and he went to God immediately. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. And he follows that appeal with many more expressions of his confidence in God. You are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake you lead me and guide me. David expressed his confidence in God because God had helped David before. David knew that God keeps his promises to his people. As another example, David says, Into your hand I commit my spirit, and then says, What God has done, you have redeemed me, O faithful God. Here's still another example of David confessing his faith that the faithful God is there for him. You have seen my affliction, you have known the distress of my soul. And one more, although there are many more throughout this magnificent psalm. I trust in you, O Lord, I say. You are my God. My times are in your hand. David knew right where to go when things were not well with his soul. Now that was David. Wouldn't it be great to have that instinctive response when life is ganging up on you when not only your enemies, but sometimes your friends, aren't there for you. What a great thing to turn immediately to God for help. You've got it, too. It's in you to do the same. Actually, it's been put in you. This instinct to turn to God isn't naturally yours, but it was born into you by your baptism. When you were baptized, you were redeemed from the greatest of troubles, from the guilt of sin, from the dread of death, and from domination by evil. In baptism, God brought you into his fortress, 
into his safe place of forgiveness, even if people won't let go of your sins and shortcomings. In baptism, God brought you into his fortress where hope abounds, especially when you're tempted to despair about your situation in life. In baptism, God brought you into his fortress where his love for you reaches down into your soul, a welcome thing in our so often loveless world. What prompted David to turn to God has been put in you by your baptism into Jesus Christ. Your life is now hidden with God in Christ. And so you turn to God as David did, and you confess as David confessed. You are my rock and my fortress. You are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. When the faithful God has led you again to such a, such a confession, you say, it is well with my soul, it is well. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. The spirit that prompted David to go straight to God is the same spirit that is among us in our times of trouble. It is well with my soul, it is well. I mentioned Horatio Spafford at the beginning of this sermon. In the 1800s, Horatio Spafford was a successful Chicago lawyer, a rich man with many real estate holdings. Wealth is fleeting, and the great Chicago fire of 1871 wiped out much of Spafford's wealth. Not a good time for the Spafford family. Just think of the times when you weren't sure about your economic future. Anyway, Spafford and his wife needed to get away and still had sufficient resources for a good vacation. So they planned a trip to Europe. When the time came to set out on their vacation, some last-minute business detained Mr. Spafford, but he sent his wife and four daughters ahead of him on the SS VA du Havre. On November 22nd, disaster struck their ship. The VA du Havre was struck by an English ship and sunk and sank almost immediately. The four daughters were lost. Only Mrs. Spafford survived from their family. When Horatio Spafford sailed across the Atlantic to join his grieving wife, the captain called him to the bridge and reported that they were at the place where the Via du Havre had gone down. Can you imagine the feelings? I can't. But the story goes that shortly afterward, Spafford wrote the famous words, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Dare I say that the difficult times can prove to be times of special blessings? I'm not suggesting that we should enjoy the difficult times. I don't think David got a kick out of his troubles. That said, it's the tough times, the times when the weight of the world is on your heart, the times when you're suffering unjustly, you've done nothing wrong, but people are talking against you. These times when you realize that the universe does not rule, revolve around you and doesn't seem to care about you. In such times, you're experiencing firsthand your sinful mortality. When you're getting crucified, you get a better appreciation for the one who really was crucified. 
Jesus Christ knew what David went through. Jesus Christ knows what you go through. Jesus Jesus Christ went through that and much more. He took our sins and the sins of those who sin against you. He took all sins upon himself and paid for them to God. Our Christian faith is not about glory, at least not yet, for there is heavenly glory to come. Yes, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and ascended to glory. Someday in glory, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. But here and now, it's not about glory, not about sweetness day in and day out. Though it's not welcome, these times get us into the heart of Christian faith. They bring us again into the fortress of God's protection. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.